Welcome to my weekly podcast on the weekly Torah portion, the DNA of creation. And every week we try to open up the Torah portion and get a deeper insight that's both inspirational and practical based on the teachings of Kabbalah and Jewish mysticism. So today we're going to explore the first time that God speaks to the first Jew, Abraham, in this week's Torah portion, Lech Lecha. And in exploring this first statement, we're going to understand a profound and timeless message for Jews of all ages in our mission in this world. And it's unbelievable. So I'm very excited to share that with you. So we like to often think of ourselves as free thinkers. You know, most people believe that they make choices based on their values. And a great example is the upcoming election. So very heated, and there's a whole lot of back and forth, and people feel very passionate about their beliefs. But the question I have for you is, how free-thinking are we really? How many of our choices are we really making on our own? Or how much are we influenced by other factors? So let's look at the first verse of the Parsha, when God speaks for the first time to Abraham. And he says as follows, Ve'yomer Hashem al-Avram, and God said to, to Abraham, to Avram, and he says, Lech lecha. And these words are a little perplexing. Lech means to go, but lecha is completely unnecessary. It means to yourself or for yourself. Go to yourself or go for yourself. Me'artzecha, from your land, and from your birthplace, and from your father's home, to the land that I will show you. So the question arises, first of all, what is the lacha? What is the to you or for you? What does that mean? Why is it necessary? Second question that should jump out at us is that the order of the places where Avraham is told to leave seem out of order. If I were to tell you to leave your house, leave your city, leave your country, and come to the land of Israel. So the order is the first you leave your house, then you leave your city, then you leave your country. But the God says to Abraham, first leave your land, then leave your fa- leave your city, leave the plate your birthplace, and then leave your father's home. So it seems out of order. Very perplexing. Additionally, it doesn't tell you where he's going. It doesn't say, leave your land and come to the land of Israel. It says, just leave your land, come to the land that I will show you. Why doesn't God tell Abraham where he's going? Now, the problem is even greater if we look at last week's Torah portion. The end of last week's Torah portion says that Avraham and his wife and children left their birthplace. They left his land already. It says that Terach, Avram's father, took his son, Avram, and his nephew, Lot, and his daughter-in-law, Sarai, and they left ur They left the place where Avram was born, or where Avram lived, which was ur which is in current-day Iraq, and they went to the land of Canaan. They went to the land of Israel. They went to Canaan. But they didn't get all the way there. They stopped in a place called Haran, which is in present-day Syria, and they stayed there. So in this week's Parsha, where God is commanding Avram to leave, 
his birthplace. He already left his birthplace. So what's going on here? Why is it necessary to command him again to go to the land of Israel? He was already on his way. And finally, the commentaries explain that this concept of lech lecha, go to yourself or go for yourself, includes the meaning of for yourself, which means for your own pleasure and your own benefit. So why is it necessary for God to tell Abraham, I want you to go to the land of Israel for your own benefit? And the next verses expound that and explain that Avram will become wealthy, famous, and have children in the land of Israel. But why did he need that? He was anyway on his way to do God's will. He devoted his whole life to teaching people about one God. So I want to try to explain the whole thing by understanding the journey of Avraham. Now, Talmud tells us that Avraham, at a very young age, began exploring reality. And there are two different opinions in the Talmud of when Avraham came to find God. One opinion says at the age of three, he was a very precocious young boy, at the age of three he already had an understanding that there must be a unified creator to the universe. And another opinion says it was the age of 40 or even later 48 that he finally came to the conclusion that there's one God. So we have to understand first of all how to reconcile these two opinions, age three, age 40, 48, But additionally, why did it take so long for God to speak to him? It took until he was 75 for God to command him to go to the land of Israel. Why did it take so long before he had a revelation of the divinity? That means for between 72 and 30 years, he was connected to God, devoted his life to God, but never had any proof. He never had any experiential prophetic experience. Why did it take so long? Now the Talmud explains us how Abraham developed his understanding of God. And it says that he really looked at the cosmos. He looked at the universe. He looked at the stars. He was an astrologer, an astronomer. And he saw the feeling that we get when we look at nature is incredible harmony and order. He looked at the cosmos. He saw the stars circling around in an order. And the ancients were incredibly skilled astronomers. And not like we sometimes think that back in the day people were stupid. They were incredibly brilliant with the technology that they had. They understood the way the universe worked in in a tremendous way. So obviously we've developed since then, but there were certain things that they understood much greater than us with much less tools. (laughs) So Avram saw order and he saw harmony to the universe. He said there must be a conductor to this incredible symphony. When you look up at the stars, you see that you are just a piece in a massive universe. And it all seems to be structured around you. And there's a tremendous longing to connect to something when you look up. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to sit out under the stars and even maybe to watch a meteor shower. I think there's actually was one last week. And I one time when I was a kid went camping in Utah and Wyoming. And I was blown away at night by the vastness of the cosmos. I mean, billions of stars. And you can imagine how much greater that was in Abraham's time, before there was any light pollution. So the Talmud says a a, a metaphor, that Abraham was like a man wandering through a desert. And he came upon suddenly a palace in the desert. 
And he said, wow, there's a palace in the desert. It must be someone built the palace, right? When you see order, you assume there is a designer. But then he saw that the palace was on fire and nobody was putting out the fire. And Abraham said, could it be there's no owner to this palace to put out the fire? And the commentaries explain this metaphor as follows, that Abraham saw a world of order and harmony. There's just one thing that doesn't fit. Do you know what that is? You see, everything is built almost programmed to know its place in, the, in nature, its place in, in the universe. Every animal is programmed to know what to eat, how to hibernate, how to survive the winter, how to reproduce. It's biologically programmed to do its thing. There's one thing that doesn't fit, and that's the human being. Because we have a prefrontal cortex, we have an advanced intellectual abstract thinking which disconnects us from our instinct. So we don't, we're not instinctually programmed. I mean, yeah, we have biological urges to reproduce and to feed ourselves. But we have an additional intellect, the Torah calls a soul, which wants more. And therefore we are intrinsically, existentially confused. You know, a penguin never woke up one day and said, you know what, maybe I'll join the theater, become an artist. A lion never said, maybe I shouldn't eat meat, I'd rather be a vegetarian. There's no such thing as an animal waking up and saying, why am I here? What's the meaning of my life? And yet human beings ask those questions throughout time. We're inspired by our emotions and by our dreams and our thoughts to write incredible poetry and literature, to write song psalms of yearning, to connect, to understand ourselves, to get deeper and figure out why we're here. Because human beings are born disconnected from our purpose. And we have the ability to think about it. So how does one figure out our place in this universe? How do we figure out our purpose here? So there's really two options. We can either do what most of the world does, or we can break away. How do most people develop their value system and their ideal and their understanding of what the purpose of life is? Very simple. From their surroundings, from their society, from their family, from their culture. They do what they're supposed to do, what they're taught to do. In fact, most people follow their religions or their value system, if they're not religious, like a fanatic. You know what a fanatic is? Same thing as a sports fan. You know what a sports fan means? Literally a sports fanatic. Because someone born in New York likes New York sports teams. Is it because of some special connection? Why is it that someone born in Boston doesn't like the Yankees? Or someone born in New York doesn't like the Red Sox? Is it because there's anything intrinsic connection to that team of their city? It's just colors. It's just a t-shirt, right? There's a famous uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld about people being obsessed with laundry. The guy in the clothes used to play for a different team. He's not from your city. The team doesn't support the values of your city. The guy was born in some other city. He's just wearing the clothes of your city, so you're rooting for laundry. People follow sports teams like fanatics. It's fanaticism because there's no logic to it. And that's the same thing with most religions. And most people are willing to live and die for their religion without any clue as to why their religion is better than any other religion. Why their value system makes sense. And that goes for everything in this world. It's a coincidence. Just by the circumstance of where you happen to be born, the time period you're born in, the family, the culture, and there you're going to base your whole life 
over a value system that was handed down to you from somebody else. That's the way most of the world makes their decisions. And yet there's another option. Abraham was called the first Hebrew. You know how to say Hebrew in Hebrew? Ivri. Abraham called Avraham Ha'ivri, the Ivri. Ivri means, in Hebrew, someone who crossed over. It's from the word over, like in English, to transgress, to go over. Because Abraham was born in Mesopotamia, like we said, in Iraq, and he crossed over the Tigris and Euphrates rivers to come into the land of Canaan, to come into the land of Israel. So he's called the guy from over there, because he wasn't from around these parts. He came from another place. But the Talmud says, no, it's much deeper than that. Because the entire world at the time was of one belief system, the belief in idolatry. And Abraham crossed over to a completely different way of seeing the world. He was a free thinker. He was a rebel. And from that moment in time, he, made, he accepted a mission upon himself to pass down through all the generations that the Jewish people would challenge the gods of the generation. And that's why Jews have been at the forefront of every revolution going all the way back in, the to- in time. Whether it was the revolution of monotheism through Christianity and Islam that swept the world, or the revolution of atheism, the revolution of socialism, Right? Jews have been at the forefront of everything, the revolution of science and physics. Because in our blood, we challenge authority. And that is what we inherited from Abraham. So how does one become a truth seeker? How do we live according to the ideals of Abraham, our forefather? So the answer is, what is the greatest barrier to discovering truth? You know what it is? It's thinking you already have it. The three most important words to open you up to discovery is I don't know. If you think you know, then you're already cut off from the ability to learn new things. In fact, science studies have shown that when a person thinks a certain reality, they will see that reality, confirmation bias, in everything they do, even if it's not true. (laughs) One of the great mystics Rabbi Nachman of Breslov says the following incredible line, which I consider to be a Yodaism in Judaism. And that is, Tachlis hadas lo yada. The essence of knowledge is knowing you know nothing. My job as a rabbi is not to give answers. My job as a rabbi is to get you to ask questions. Because when we ask questions, we're open to receive an answer. And if you think about it, that is the number one quality required of someone who wants to become a truth seeker. Someone who wants to come in contact with reality with a capital R, with truth with a capital T. Someone who wants to come to the recognition, is there a God? Is there a purpose to this world? Is there objective right and wrong? So how do you start that journey? By saying, I don't know, but I want to know. I'm open. You know, there's, there's different options in life. When it comes to belief in God, there's atheists, there's believers, theists, and there's agnostics. Which of those is the most rational? You know, it's absolutely irrational to be an atheist. To know with certainty that something does not exist is completely irrational and unprovable. Just because you don't have evidence doesn't mean it doesn't exist. But the most rational place to be, it could be there is evidence. It could be there are believers who will prove to you there's a God. In which case, you have to look at their evidence and explore it. 
But if you don't have that proof, the best place to be is to be an agnostic, to say, I don't know, but I'm open to discovering. If God is, as Judaism teaches, infinite, then that means as much as you think you know God, you're infinitely far. You know, last year I thought I knew God, and yet this year I know so much more about him. And next year I'm going to know so much about him than I did this year. So you know what? Right now I should just come to the realization that I know nothing. Because if God is infinite, then I'm always infinitely far. And at the same time, I'm also infinitely close. (laughs) What that means is one step closer every day. However much I journey close to God and I search for truth, I'm infinitely closer each day. Because you can never approach the infinite. (laughs) What that means is as follows. One of the great Jewish philosophers explains, reconciles the issue that Avraham began searching for God at age three and only found him, and another opinion says that he began, that he found God at age 40. And he answers that really he began his search at age three and he only came to the conclusion there's one God at the age of 40. But because he started that journey at age three, the Talmud considers it as if he already found God because there's no such thing as having complete understanding of God. It's just one step closer every day of your life. That's what it means to have a relationship with the infinite. So how do we understand the, the message to Abraham? Lech lecha, go to yourself. God, Avram already left his birthplace. What is God telling him? He's saying you have to distance yourself from everything you've ever been taught. You have to challenge everything. You have to challenge the values of your society. You have to challenge the values of your culture, and you have to even challenge the values that you were taught in your, in your father's home. If you want to come to truth, you have to open your mind. You have to free your mind. And the real journey, why doesn't, why doesn't God say where he's going, the land that I will show you? Because where is that real revelation of God? It takes place within yourself, and that's lech lecha, go to yourself. The true journey is into the depths of who you are because that's where real revelation of God exists within each and every one of us. And I want to conclude with the following idea. Shortly later in the Torah portion, God tells Abraham that he's going to have children. And Abraham says, how is that possible? I looked at my zodiac, I looked at my astrology, and I saw that I'm not destined to have children. So God says, come outside. And he says, look at the stars. Can you count them? So will be your children. And the simple explanation is that God said to Abraham, look at the stars, look how many they are. Someday you will have as many children as that. But the Hasidic commentaries say something slightly different. God says to Abraham, go and count the stars if you can. And Abraham begins counting. One, two, three, 100, 200, 300. And there's billions of them. Says God, so will be your children. Your children will also attempt the impossible. They will look at the infinite. They will look at the cosmos. And they will attempt to connect even though you're infinitely far. That's the power of the Jewish people. We have the ability 
to accomplish miracles. We have the ability to connect to the impossible, to do the impossible. The Talmud says one more idea. The word look at the stars in Hebrew actually implies from above looking down. So the Talmud says that God took Abraham and lifted him outside the universe. And he said, look down at the universe. Look down at the stars. And it says, you think you're bound by nature. You think you're bound by your zodiac and your cos- and, and your and your astrology. You are beyond the stars. You're beyond nature. You have the ability to accomplish the impossible. So even though your nature says that you can't have children, you can do anything. Because if you live a supernatural life, you are, your, your life will respond, nature will respond to you supernaturally. And that, according to Jewish mysticism, is the meaning of this first verse that God says to Abraham. Go to yourself. Go away from your land. Your land refers to your physicality. Go away from your physical drives, your physical desires that bind us. So many people think, this is the way I am. I'm stuck. I'm bound by my nature. I'm bound by my upbringing. I'm bound by my societal values. I can't change. What do you want from me? God says, Abraham, no, you can change. Go away from your physicality. Go away from your land. Go away from your birthplace. Go away from your genetics, your DNA. Go away from all the issues that you were born with. You might have been born lazy. You might have been born with a weak mind. You might have been born with all sorts of problems. You can break free from that as well. And go away from your father's house. Go away from your nurture. Go away from the issues that you got. We all have our trauma. We all have our mishigas. We all have our neurosis that we receive from our parents. You can break out of that too. If you want to act supernaturally, nothing can stop you. And that's the message of this Parsha, that we have the ability to overcome. We have the ability to find truth. We have the ability to connect to the infinite. And that's the message to the Jewish people for all time. Become a truth seeker. Find yourself. It's not about the destination. It's about the journey of journeying each day one step closer to who we really are. One step closer to accomplishing, fulfilling our mission. One step closer to understanding the Creator, understanding the meaning of life and why we're here. And if we start that journey today... Even if we continue on that journey for the rest of our life, hopefully, it's as if today we had a taste and an intimate connection to the infinite. I wish you all a beautiful Shabbos.